Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hi, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America on this Monday, the 21st of November. We're all getting ready for a very American holiday, Thanksgiving, this Thursday. Tomorrow night on our program, by the way, we'll do a special Thanksgiving time of prayer and reflect on the meaning of the holiday, a little bit of the history of it, and its connection to our commitment to make America great again. And uh, then uh, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about more of the uh, dynamics of this past election. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of different people about it. In fact, I just spent a couple of days down at Mar-a-Lago with the America First Policy Institute. We have an annual uh, meeting down there of a couple of days of policy discussions. Uh, It mostly consists of uh, people who were privileged to serve in President Trump's administration, policy experts from across the spectrum of the issues that you and I are concerned about, and gathered together to plan for the next administration, which, of course, now that we have heard the announcement from President Trump that he is running, we are committed to make sure that he will be the one running that administration. So we did a lot of talking, got a lot of information, a lot of planning, And I'll share some of that with you over the coming days as well. I did get a chance to greet the president. And, and of course, he is as positive and energetic as ever, committed to making sure that the great American comeback begins right now, as he said in his announcement speech, which uh, just last night I watched yet again, and I hope that you do the same. You know, we have his various speeches at presidenttrumprallies.com. And of course, they're also uh, archived here on uh, Right Side Broadcasting Network and in other places. It's so important that we that we study the things that are being said here, the things that are being proposed to our fellow Americans as voters, the things that will make America great. The president pointed out In his speech on last Tuesday, announcing his campaign, and again in the speech that he gave to us at Mar-a-Lago on Friday night, that this is, it's not about him, it's not his campaign, it's our campaign. And this is a crucially important point to understand. And, And of course, it's very biblical. It's the community that is moving forward. It's all of us together under God's Uh, grace and under his leadership that are marching forward together as members, as citizens, not only of America, but as citizens of the kingdom of God. In that spirit, let's begin as we always do with scripture and prayer. I want to go to Psalm 141 and let us pray this psalm. O Lord, I call to you, come quickly to me. Hear my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil, to take part in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers. Let me not eat of their delicacies. 
Let a righteous man strike me, it is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. Yet my prayer is ever against the deeds of evildoers. My eyes are fixed on you, O sovereign Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. Keep me from the snares they have laid for me, from the traps set by evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. Let us pray. Father, we pray for the nation to which we belong. We pray for the nation for which we work to make it great again, for the protection of freedom, security, life, faith, and family. Lord, stop the wicked plans and the schemes and the actions that are taking place all around us for the destruction of freedom, security, life, faith, and family. And bring us, Lord, more to a strong unity and effective witness and productive activity for the sake of your name and your glory. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, we won't go into it in detail tonight, but as you know, the other side is added again with the, the, the Biden administration weaponizing, weaponizing the uh, Department of Justice. Now it's a special counsel being appointed to investigate uh, the actions of President Trump. And here we go again. You know, if there was anything there, would they not have found it a long time ago? All they're doing is playing a political game where they're trying to not only distract the American people from the utter failures of the Democrat administration, but they are trying to uh, dissuade people from supporting President Trump. To do this just a few days after he announced his candidacy for the presidency is a blatant, outrageous political uh, act which is not worthy of American government. What do you do to counteract it? It's very simple, friends. It's what we've been urging all the time. Go back, read, and remind people of the great accomplishments of President Trump and the fact that he is the only one who will be running who can say, this is not, these are not just the policies I support. These are not just the things I would like to see happen in America, but these are the things I already did. I already accomplished them. And in terms of rebuilding the economy, did it not just once, but twice. Remember, after the, the China virus, the V-shaped recovery, not gradual, shoot, shot right back up the stock market when President Trump finished his term, was where it was pre-COVID. He did it twice. He's the only one who can say, I already did it. Not, not, not on a local level, on the, the national and international level. So many accomplishments. You go back, we read, we remember, we discuss, we pass them along. Remember, the goal of the other side is not just to keep President Trump out of the White House. It's to keep him out of the minds and hearts of the American people. Now, basically, this... Uh, once again, blatant political overreach 
of the Biden administration and its Department of Justice is only going to help President Trump politically. I don't know if they are so misinformed and misguided that they think it's going to hurt him politically. It'll have just the opposite effect. You know, you've got about, let's look at the American, I could go over to the board to talk to you about this as well as the other things I want to tell you. But you've got about 45% of the American public who really, really like President Trump want to see him uh, back in the White House, really uh, on his side. Then you've got about, oh, I don't know, 25 to 30%. They like his policies, uh, but not so much his personality. Now, Dick Morris has a message for them in his book, which I want to urge you again to obtain and to read, his book called The Return, President Trump's 2024 Comeback, Dick Morris. What does he have to say to this 25 to 30% of the population who says, oh yeah, President Trump's policies are great, I just, I don't know, with his behavior, his personality, and whatnot. Listen, you don't have one without the other. Okay, and Dick Morris does the analysis of that. And we've talked about it here on this program. You don't have one without the other. It's precisely because he is the way he is that he was able to get incredibly historic things done amidst incredibly unprecedented opposition. This is simply the way it is. And then the other percentage, again, another another 25 to 30% is in the in the category of they just don't like either the president or his uh, policies. Okay. He is clearly the front runner for this nomination, but brothers and sisters, the key here to understand is that the Democrats and this ties in with a little bit of a deeper analysis I want to do of this election. The Democrats are not going to change course, okay? You're not going to get Biden and Fetterman over there in Pennsylvania, if he knows how to put a sentence together, to suddenly change their minds about fracking. You're not going to get Biden all of a sudden to moderate his position on abortion or the Democrats to say, oh, yeah, you know, maybe we shouldn't be killing healthy babies in the eighth month of of pregnancy. You're not going to get them to all of a sudden want to renew American energy and oil and natural gas and, hey, let's do the thing that makes sense. We're standing on top of all these resources and we're not going to get them. Instead, we're begging from countries that are our enemies. You're not going to get them pivoting and changing. As a matter of fact, remember when Biden was asked after the midterm, so what are you going to do different? And he said nothing. He just uses the word nothing. It just hasn't gotten bad enough for many of the voters hasn't gotten bad enough for them to realize they can't keep electing Democrats. Here's the good news. Well, it's good and bad news at the same time. It's good news for the dynamics of the election. It's bad news for what we have to live through. It hasn't gotten bad enough, but it will. And President Trump referred to this fact in his speech the other night, right? Announcing his candidacy. He says, you know what? He says, by 2024, 
when people are getting ready to vote in that presidential election, it's not going to be like it is now. People do believe the country's going in the wrong direction, but it's going to be intensely worse with the inflation, with the crime, with the direction that the country is going, with the border. That's another thing. They're going to change their minds. They're not going to change their minds tomorrow and start securing the border, you think? So the trajectory for America is unfortunate because we have to endure all this destructive, uh, the results of these destructive policies. But politically, what we have to recognize about this election and about the run-up now to the 2024 election is that it is transitional. This has been a transitional election. Not a transformative one where we switched, although we got back the House of Representatives, which is major, but where we switched so many uh, parties, uh, so many uh, <clears throat> seats, rather, in a wave. Okay, it was not a wave election. But what I want to look at here is that underneath the waves, you have the currents. And what are the currents going on? What are we transitioning to? Well, we are transitioning to more Republican support. We are transitioning away from Democrat support. So the battle has been waged. If you look at the 2016, the 2020, I'm going to get you some states here, and the 2022 elections, the battles that have been going on, brothers and sisters, have been mostly in blue states. That's got to be an, an encouraging thing to understand. First of all, the, the so-called Democrat blue wall, President Trump was able to win this when he won the presidency in 2016. And of course, you remember Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. He took these states. And then in 2020... The battle was being waged in those states, but added to that, we saw the battlegrounds uh, in um, uh, Georgia and Arizona. And then, this time, other blue states became a key battleground. California, New York, Oregon, New Mexico, Nevada. Understand what's going on here. Let me just make one simple, simple observation with these first two very blue states of California and New York. All right. We won the House thanks to them. Thanks to, thanks to two of the bluest states in the country. What am I doing here? We won the House, thanks to them. New York and California. You look at the, the what was the race that brought the total finally to that magic 218 majority number of uh, Republican House seat victories? A California district. And we were saying this during the preparation for the elections. We were telling people, look, 
you know, the Senate is one thing, you know, how a state goes in the presidential race is one thing, but there are individual congressional districts and there are very, very, very strong conservative areas in California and in New York. As a matter of fact, where do you have your blue strength? You have it in the big cities. This is what happened. This is the victory. And now we see a lot of victories in these other states as well. The point being, you step back, you look at the overall trajectory, and you look at the individual voters, and you see that this was a transitional election with the currents moving in our direction. Let's look at it from another vantage point, and that is the actual votes of the voters, because this is what indeed ends up um, choosing the winners. We were um, up by five in this election in terms of the popular vote, five percentage points. We were down by seven in 2020. This is the popular vote now. Are they voting for Democrats or are they voting for Republicans? Friends, friends, this is, this is dramatic. This is a plus 12 transition in the direction of red. That is no small thing. Let's look more specifically at some, some, some numbers. And, and let me show you why. Okay, so first of all, you've been hearing the numbers. We got about 5 million we talk about the House races, okay? We got about 5 million, actually I should be writing this in red, 5 million more votes for Republicans. Now, we took the House. But why not buy more seats? Let me show you a simple reason. Let's say you have, you look at all those races that were Democrat, went for the Democrats, okay? There's a big difference. If it went to the Democrats by 20 points or went for the Democrats by two, right? Because here you have a lot more Democrat voters if there's a large margin, but the same outcome. The winner of a race for a congressional seat is not determined by the margin of their majority, but by the fact that they got a majority of the votes. Not by the margin, it's determined by the fact. So everything else is icing on the cake. You win an election by one vote, you win an election by a million votes, it's the same outcome, but it's a very different trajectory. The party, the, the, okay, the party that wins by one vote has got to be afraid, all right, because things are not looking in their favor if there's such small margins. But that person still won. So that's why you can't look just at the, 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 the outcome. You've got to look underneath a little bit at the numbers. And let's look at some of those numbers. There were 25, okay, so House seats, okay, House races. 
There were 25 house races decided by less than 5% of the vote. Some just by a couple of hundred votes. Think about this. Currents. Currents. Not just whether there's a wave, what the outcome is, but the currents. Where are the people? Where are they moving? Because these things don't stay the same. These things are not set in stone. And movement and change happen over a long time. Just think for a minute about the radical governor of California, Gavin Newsom. It's Gavin Newsom territory out there as far as policy goes, right? They just had that 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 uh, horrendous amendment put in their constitution saying there's a right to abortion, which there isn't. That used to be a state governed by Ronald Reagan. Colorado, look at the state of Colorado. It used to be a red state. And now it's as blue as the sky is blue. These things don't happen overnight. Now look what happened in New York. New York almost ended up electing a Republican governor just now, even though just 21% of New York voters are registered as Republican. There's movement. It was Lee Zeldin's run for governor and his tremendous showing of support in that state that ended up flipping house races in Long Island to help win, like I said before, it was California and it was New York in house races that got us over the finish line to the majority. Lee Zeldin's run for governor, even though he didn't win the governorship, he his coattails brought people into the House of Representatives, especially on Long Island there. In Long Island, you had some flips from blue to red. And you know who got voted out of office? The head of the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee, the, the DCCC, running the campaigns for the, for the Democrat members of the House. He gets voted out of the House. This is hilarious. And this is very important to understand. Let me give you just a couple of um, maybe we can make a little red and blue graph of our own, you know, on some of these uh, shows, you see these fancy uh, computerized things here, but I, I want to make a, a sort of like a home homemade one of our own here, just to show you the same thing, just using a couple of numbers, looking at 20, looking at the last two midterms, okay, to 2014. Let me see how we can do this. Okay, 2014. No, this should be in black here. 2014, 2018, 2022. We're just looking at midterms, okay, not presidential races. The Democrats. Are the Democrats... And the Republicans. In 2020, uh, in 2014, the Democrats had um, 35.4. Actually, we have to do it this way. 
the Democrats had 35.4 million votes. Okay, so let's see, 30, 40, 50, 60, okay. So where was the blue back in 2014? They were here, about 35.4 million votes. The Republicans did better in 2014. They were up here at 40 million. The next year, 2018, the Democrats shot all the way up to 60.3 million. So they really went up high in 2018 in the, in the number of votes for the House. Whereas the um, uh, Republicans, they increased also, but not as high. They went up to 50 million. So had a really good out, really good turnout in 2018. Okay. But although the Democrats increased by 10 million votes, uh, Republicans by 10 million votes, Democrats increased by more. What happened after that? When we go to um, 2022, we see that the Democrats have not been able to keep up their uh, momentum because they now are here, 49 million. So they've gone down like this. Whereas where are the Republicans right now count for this year? 53.3. Look at that. Okay. We have a spike here, but then a decline. Whereas we have a continued growth and increase of the Republican vote. This is not insignificant given the fact that, like I say, the Democrats, and we don't have to guess about this, we know it because of the nature of their commitment to these policies, but we know it also from their own mouths. Biden standing up there and say, oh no, nothing, nothing, nothing is going to change. They're not going to reverse tomorrow on abortion, on the border, on gas, on fracking, on, well, woke critical race theory and all that nonsense. And it's going to get worse. And that's what's going to make the voters realize, oh, wait a second, you know, we, you see what happens? Oh, we fell for, we fell for the rhetoric or we believe the, the, but nah, it hasn't been so great. Well, the things have been so bad and there's no wonder that there's this downturn in the blue line. I'm going to see it continue. Let me go back to my chair and close out. There's a lot more things I want to share with you about this election. Like I say, I've been talking to a lot of people who are the, the top experts in the country, whether we're talking about pollsters. I've talked to at least three, four, four I would say, four, in, the, in the last week, I've talked to four of the top pollsters in America uh, about this election. I mean, talking, I mean, talking one-on-one. Um, key political analysts, uh, key experts in analyzing races for, 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 for the last 50 years. So I have a lot more to share with you about all this, but let me tell you, brothers and sisters, the bottom line. One bottom line, and I want to apply it to Georgia and, and pray about it. We have to have a better turnout machine. And we've got to have the money. We've got to have our big donors 
our side of the fence, in our opinion, really step up to the plate and support these candidates and support me. Political opinion on the red side of the plate has to continue. You know, it's not money helping. money voting in all these early ballots and only for those who are serving the world or homebound or ill, just unable to get out. But brothers and sisters, we have what we have. We have the reality that we have. We've got to use it to win. The reality is people are lining up for these for these uh, polls weeks ahead of election day. And if all that momentum during those early weeks is going on the blue column, it's harder to overcome all that in one day. Look at the long lines that some people had to wait on. And then they get turned they they they, they get turned away because they don't have three or four hours to wait. Or the machine runs out of ink or out of paper. That's that's that, of course, is inexcusable. You got to be ready for the big crowds. But uh, this is what happens. Okay, Georgia, we've got to do it now. In Georgia, if you you want to give a give a, a practical idea of what you can do, if you from your home can make some phone calls on behalf of Herschel Walker, who needs to win this Senate race. Because remember, power sharing. If he wins, the Democrats, although they have a functional majority, do not have a technical majority. It's technically tied. And that means something in the way that the Senate works. It means that the committees share power. The Republicans have much more leverage with Herschel Walker winning than the other way around, because otherwise the Democrats have an actual majority, 51 to 49, instead of a 50-50 split, which introduces, again, something called power sharing. The Republicans have more, more say, more control on the committees. If you want to make phone calls to help this election turn out the right way, go to our action site, our political site, prolifevote.com, and you can sign up to make phone calls to pre-identified persuadable voters. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for the Georgia race. We pray for Herschel Walker. We pray for the voters who once again, just like in the last election, that the, the, the direction of the country in very large measure runs through Georgia. That's happening again, Lord. And we ask that the voters will recognize what is happening, step up to the plate, do what needs to be done, be active, and not just the folks in Georgia, but the folks around the country, Lord, all of us, enable us to do what we can do to encourage our brothers and sisters in Georgia, not just to sit home and think about where America is going, but to get up, get out and vote, and make America go in the right direction. Lord, please descend upon your people with strength and with wisdom, and descend upon all who have voted in this last election, and all who have not voted, enable them, Lord, to recognize their responsibility and help us indeed 
to continue to make progress for the good of our nation and our freedom. We pray through Christ our Lord, and we pray in the, in the, in the words that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, friends. We uh, look forward to talking with you uh, during the course of the week. Um, uh, tomorrow, uh, we will have a special Thanksgiving time of prayer. Then we don't have our regular programming during the holiday, but I want to encourage you to stay connected not only with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone, but also with our organization, Priests for Life, at endabortion.us, because we're going to have special products available for you uh, come uh, uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and then there's Giving Tuesday. We've got all these special days coming up this coming Friday, Monday, and Tuesday. I want to urge you to participate in that. In, um, in conjunction with us, you'll see some uh, special educational materials you can use, prayer materials that we have, lots of good things uh, for you to live out your citizenship and your pro-life commitment. So thanks for joining us. Come, Be sure to join tomorrow for our special Thanksgiving time of prayer. God bless you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.